I hate you. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Hi, John. Hello? <laughs> I, I was drinking. I had a, a listener probably won't notice. You did. I made a I made a gulpy sound and then I made a yummy noise because I'm drinking mm-hmm. a coffee that I like. Mm. <laughs> a yummy noise. It's just I got a store bought coffee and I'm enjoying it. I'm sure the listeners will notice. You never know. You know, audio is an elusive beast, John. Yes, elusive beast. Yeah, they call it the the elusive beast. That was be- I think it was Brian Eno that legs. said that. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. honor, honor, honor thy elusive beast as as a hidden intention. Mm-hmm. Oh, store bought coffee? Did you go to Did you go to Safeway? Where did you go? That's a very good question. When I'm at my home, uh, my kid and I uh, like to drink something called Stoke, and it's got a long <laughs> O with line over the O for the long O, and that's right a nice coffee you can just buy. That's really good. And Stoke, I, Stoke, oh, dude. I saw a picture of that kid the other day. Holy shit. That's a good looking kid. Oh, which cool. oh the one the one waiting in line at the Chinese restaurant? Uh probably. Yes. Yeah, oh, that, or you were at a sports event or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to the uh, Lunar New Year uh parade. One of the great sports events of San Francisco. I am a fan of sports. Yeah. I'm always pulling for my teams. Mm-hmm, I know. Like like most men, though, I'm mostly just angry about sports. <laughs> you ever notice that? You ever notice the guys that are really into sports are mad about sports a lot? I do know that. Do you think I that's part of the fun, that. John? I do think it's part of the fun. Yeah. It's a, it's a safe place to be angry. Holy shit. Right? right? Whoa, a wait a minute. One to... minute and 55 seconds in, and you've already nailed it. You nailed that jelly of the tree, my friend. Yes, yes. It's safe to be mad in that space. You can throw popcorn at your best friend. You can... Right. Uh, you can pound the. Is it is it kind of the, of the way TV? that that I'm not saying this is true. I'm certainly not saying this is gendered. Is it kind of <laughs> like how book clubs mainly became about drinking a very very comically large glass of wine with your friends? <laughs> 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 Talking about how nobody has orgasms anymore. Oh wine. Oh you wine. Know, I, uh, I I I haven't been in my book club for a while. I miss it very much. A book club. I could yeah. use that. Well, it's so it's so wonderful. Online book club is actually better than it sounds. Oh, uh, I'd love to hear it. Was this a COVID invention? Yeah, didn't I tell you we were we were? You uh, probably did, but remind me. Well, you know, it, it's my friend Christopher Frizzell who used to be the editor of the Stranger. If you recall, the Stranger. One of the he, uh, we don't say throwaway paper, but, but one of the great <laughs> independent uh, large formats. <laughs> better yeah. than the better than the Bay Guardian. That's for sure. Yeah, R.I.P. That, that's right. It was a, it was a good was ass al- paper, a really good ass paper. Alternative Weekly that ended up producing some Pulitzer winning. Was that Dan writers. Savage? Was he in, was he the Stranger? <laughs> Dan started at the Stranger. He Albert Camus. The, Albert Camus started there. A lot of people Camus, don't know. That. That's uh-huh. right. Uh, 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 Sart. He loved his Dodge Dart, and he worked at the Stranger. Oh, oh, and he was in that movie, A Band Apart. Oh, that's right. Yep, that's yep. Right. And he also said, in, he said it in French. He said, "Never hold in your farts." Okay, I got, nothing. I got nothing. But uh, no Christopher exit, was no a, he was a young guy, just a young, a young, handsome, carefree guy who became editor of The Stranger. I think too young. You know, I think oh. he was. I think he was too young. I think it's oh. I robbed him of his childhood. <laughs> but uh, but he's a a very smart guy. And during the pandemic, he said, "Why don't we all read Moby Dick?" Oh wow! And so a bunch of us got on there. Got that is, online. That is ambitious in a number of ways. 
And, um, you know, I'd read it once as a kid, but I didn't understand it at all. I think I, by reading it, I mean, my eyes took in the work, took in all the, the I words. had to read it for a class, wow. which I mean, I mean, I mean that in almost every way. Cause I think in retrospect, if I read it today, I might enjoy it more, but you know, you know how it is. You're in college. You've already got a lot of reading to do. And then on yes. top of it all, you're like, oh God, I have to read. I think, had you previously stipulated you like the weird chapters about like how the whaling industry works and things like that? Didn't you say you like those chapters? I do like those chapters, but part of what's wonderful about a book club is that you have other people to, and you know, you, unlike college, we took, we, you know, we, we, uh, we booked several months to read it. So every week you're just reading two chapters. Right. And it's very manageable, and you can sit and think about it, and then you get in in this space with these other people, and you talk about what you read, and you, because Christopher is such a, a smart character, and you know, and like I say, he was much too young to have all the responsibility he did. You grow up fast, John. You do, mm-hmm. and he knew all these uh, these smart people, these these other smart people that were smarter than you in different ways. Mm-hmm. And they're bringing all this other stuff. You know, there are the people that are like, oh, that's a biblical illusion. And there are people that are like, oh, that's from Shakespeare. And, and, uh, and then you sit and you – there's no, what I realized after reading Moby Dick with the book club is that I never could have read Moby Dick anywhere <laughs> close to the way I read it with them. And, and There's, I, there's I, a lot you know, of literature that, where you need to know a lot about literature to enjoy why it's literature. Yes, yes. And something like something Melville's like that like or Tristram that. Shandy or especially Tristram Shandy and that, like two like pre postmodern. <laughs> is that a thing? You know books. Yeah. But you know that, that's exactly what they call it, pre postmodern. That's exactly Really? Right. Yeah. I might yeah. be learned. Yeah, I think you may be. Hmm. It's the new college of Florida. Mm. Uh, it's in the news all the time. It certainly is. It's going <laughs> but, great. Then we, you know, then we read. Stop hitting uh, yourself. Stop hitting yourself. We read several other books, and yeah. and we read uh, we read uh, David Copperfield together. Oh, neat! And at that point, Christopher had gotten a story about his book club. Uh, someone wrote an article about it in the Washington Post, and so uh, here's Christopher with his, you know, his humble little book club of of several people. I mentioned it a couple of times on uh, online on my Patreon and all of us, and then the, the Washington post. Well, all of a sudden there's 150 people, uh, all reading, uh, David Copperfield together. Oh and, uh, and it's all on zoom. You can see everybody. My and goodness. A, a lot of the people are what you, what you might refer to as retired state department people. You've got a lot oh, that's of, what, isn't that kind of what you wanted to be? I, what it was, and and so you look, and 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 a lot of them are married, and um, and the the uh, the female partner is sitting close to the camera, and the male partner is sitting on a couch somewhere in the in the middle. I distance. do that when we do school calls. I'm always in a chair in, in yeah. a different part of the stadium. It's a whole thing. It's and some, sometimes my wife doesn't know how to turn. I'm sorry. I have to mention one thing. <laughs> Every time I sit in, we do a call. We talk to the teachers. We do whatever. Like you know, you do it a few times a year. And um, for some, I love my wife, but you know she works at home uh, three of the days a week and does a lot of meetings. And at the time, last time we did it, she didn't know how to turn off the fuzzy background. Oh, so you just kept coming in and out of like well, I some, look like, some I, look like I look like some kind of like Korean water ghost, where sometimes a part of my face would appear and then rescind back into the fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> I, I 
I, I agree. Uh, yeah. The, uh, you know, I think it's been a it's pretty good. <laughs> you were like Slimer. <laughs> no, no. That- <laughs> <laughs> you get a freebie for that. This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash supertrain. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website and engage with your audience and sell anything, whether it's your products, the content that you create, uh, even your own time. Uh, So much you can do with Squarespace. You can create a community on your very own Squarespace site with a fully integrated commenting system that supports threaded comments, replies, and likes. And you can use Squarespace's powerful blogging tools to categorize, share, and schedule your posts. All Squarespace sites are optimized for mobile, so they look great right out of the box. Uh, your, your content will automatically adjust to whatever template you choose. Uh, your site looks great on any device or dingus. And maybe you want to save time on cross-posting. Well, you can. It's built right in because Squarespace can auto-post your stuff to Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, uh, personal or brand pages. All post entries and images are optimized and tagged, so descriptions and titles will be correct uh, wherever you are posting. I'm a big fan of Squarespace, and uh, and you're using Squarespace right now because that, of course, is where we host the Roderick on the Line podcast. Uh, they've been great to me, and they're going to be great to you. So head on over to squarespace.com slash supertrain. Get yourself a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use our very special offer code SUPERTRAIN. That's going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Once again, squarespace.com slash supertrain, offer code SUPERTRAIN for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. But you know, they're they're, they're all super educated 75-year-olds. They've got African masks on the wall from their time when they were working at the embassy in Kinshasa or whatever. And and so so you've got this whole – this whole group, and at first it seemed like how, and again, you know, Christopher, how can he do this? Uh, you know, uh, there's so much responsibility. But he did a one. He, his book so so he put it together, and then he would sort of lead the discussion and well, moderate. So, yeah, he gives a little lecture, and then he, he, among all the people that joined his book club, there are all these kind of uh, luminaries, right? Uh, that are friends of his th- throughout the years, throughout you know, because of all of the people that he knows. Um, you know, having run this newspaper and, and so forth. Now, there's were, a for- were any of them people that you recognized as uh, published writer people? Oh, absolutely. There's a there's a former cast member of Saturday Night Live. There's a there's oh, wow. the person that runs. Should I try them? to guess who it is? No, no, no. Is I mean, it, you is can. it Taryn Ter- Killiam? No. Was it Garrett Morris? No. I got a couple guess, more. No. Hang on. It's a good guess. Was it Anna Gastar? No. Oh, did I ever say Taryn Killiam? Yes. Okay, but it wasn't. Um, it's, it's so interesting to read for intrinsic reasons. Uh, it sounds like such an odd thing to say, but I, I, you know, again, I went to a weird liberal arts school where in any case, everybody was reading a lot, but because of the area of concentration I was in, I was reading a lot, a lot. Uh And, um, I, I don't know. It was, it was just, uh, just as a side note in passing, I think one of the interesting skills, one of the pains I feel like in some ways it wasn't until I was in my first year of college that there were several kinds of scarcity. I had a lot of scarcity throughout my life, mm-hmm. but there were several kinds of scarcity I hadn't confronted quite before. Where like generally I turned in my homework late and 
poorly in <laughs> in in public school in Florida because I didn't try very hard and I was lazy. But even with every little bit of effort and skill that I had, I don't think I could have done. Let's put it this way. I could not have done a great job on every single assignment that I had in a given week or month, even with, I I mean, most of the time, first year or so, I I barely had had like a work-study job at the library. But, you know, I was fortunate enough to be living at college, going to school. And one of my first scarcities I had to confront, apart from all the money stuff, was just that every almost really every day I would have to make a game time decision about what I was going to, to put it positively, spend less attention on than other things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Like sometimes that was about the, uh, you know, something that's due soon. Often it was mm-hmm. about something I neglected doing for a while. And there were just times where David Dykstra short story class got short shrift. And I just, sure. I, I just read the fun house real fast that week. You have to do the triage that they do in mash where exactly they bring in the, right. the bodies and they're like, not this yes. one. This one's not going to yeah. make it. Yeah. And I don't know. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't proud of that. Bec- and I really felt like, you know, Hey, you know, I, I had kind of that weird poor kid syndrome where I like, I really wanted to shine and, and be acknowledged and everything. But like, did, did you ever feel that, that sense of like, Oh, there's no way this can all fit in. And even if it's, it's 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 such a classic grown up kind of lesson. Not not to like you know, hi hat here, but like it's such a grown up lesson to go like it's all important, and that's why I can't do it all. In yeah. fact, there's not there's I, there's no way that this all fits in, and I feel like to finish the pivot, that's a lesson that everybody should take with them through their life and career, which is you should not be counting on everyone you know to have a meeting about how John's doing. Or about how Merlin is doing. You are the sole project manager of all of that. I only say that because I thought that was a good lesson, but also that, like, you know, I felt so rushed. I read Moby Dick in a class called American Masterworks, and I think it was, it might have been 14 weeks, might have been seven weeks. No, I think it was a full, full semester. And we read two books I didn't like and one book I did like. We read The Ambassadors and Moby Dick. And Absalom, Absalom. Mm -hmm. And there was just times where, sorry, Mr. James, you're just not going to get ambassadored very much this week, because I did not like the book. (laughs) I did not understand why we were reading it. But you know what I mean? Like, sorry, sorry, Professor Domino, (laughs) this is going to be the one that gets short shrift. And I go, oh, (laughs) I think the uh, the use of words was extensive. I I, I read a lot of words this week, and... I was I was in favor of I'm that. I'm curious to hear what other people think ask, about yeah, the way the whaling industry works. <laughs> what did you think about it? What is what I'd really think? rather know. What did you, what did you think about Miss Rosa this week? <laughs> I was laying in bed last yeah. night thinking about you know because what you say is exactly true and and unfortunately as you know project management is not in my top four skills and I know you you struggle with it in a different way but. I was if, I, if I hadn't been a, a not very good project manager, I would be in worse shape today. Yeah. It was the it was the crucible of having to also a res- great book. Oh yeah, it's, I think it's a play. Yeah, sure. Was he married to Marilyn Monroe? I'd really like to know what you think about it. Actually, it's it's so interesting that you should say that. Which which <laughs> chapter did you like best? Which? Uh, which uh, 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 let me see. I have it right here. Mr. Man, I'm going to stop you right there. You're being a little bit sweaty in your use of puns. <laughs> I, uh, I was thinking about this time because uh, my friend Ramey, who lives there in San Francisco, uh, uh, Ramey was uh, the, the fellow that used to put on he, – he, um, he loves music. He knows a lot of musicians, and, he, lo- and he, he likes to be 
a kind of promoter. So he was the one that did the last waltz every year uh, back east oh, that right, I of used to do. Yeah, you did that, yeah. Yeah, and he, he came up with this and great that, and that's idea. that's a restaging of the band's last concert from 1976, right? Uh, yeah. And he Famously, went, Thanksgiving Day at the... Fillmore, no, Winterland, West. Winterland, yeah. or when, anyway, but their final concert where they had to airbrush out uh, all the cocaine on Neil Young's nose. Yeah, and I played they had the a giant. Do you remember this? You ever seen it? Oh, oh yeah, he has yeah, the actual giant booger, Canadian giant booger, cocaine just booger, just booger. Yeah. yeah, I played the role of Neil Diamond in that production every year, and uh, and I think stole the show. I think everybody agrees. I stole the show. What, what, what's his song? Not Cherry. No, not Cherry Baby. What's his? What's the song he does? No, it, it, he only plays it once. I think he only played it live once, and that was at the last waltz. What song was it? Um, Dry Your Eyes. Oh. Which, yeah, I don't think I know that. I've, heard, I've seen the movie a couple, three times, but I don't think I know that tune. Universally, I think when people when people watch The Great, uh, the great Waltz, as they call it, um, no, they watch The Last Waltz, and, and uh, they you know people like to rank things. And well, when, and it's just, it's just every time Robbie Robertson gets out there and he goes like, you know, like, you're just like, oh my God, who's he going to announce now? And he goes, Jim Hawkins. Or he comes out and he goes like, you know, like Joni Mitchell, like he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Bob Dylan. You're like, oh my God. It feels like it was like, it's like the 9-11 of superstar rock music. You never know what's going to happen next. Yeah. So and exciting. The, 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 the general consensus is that Neil Diamond was a, why is he there? When he announces Neil Diamond, everybody's like, say what? Why is well, Neil the other, Diamond here? The, the, I, don't, I think I said his name wrong, but that, there was that guy that they toured with when they were the Hawks. Yeah, that, that oh, the one right. guy, Jim was it Jim Dandy? Is that the guy's name? But Jim anyway, that, that guy who influenced David Lee Roth more than David Lee Roth admits from um, the from the Arkansas uh, the Great Arkansas Conspiracy or whatever that band was called. The the uh, oh, they were the too, Ozark Mountain Boys. No, the, yeah, I think uh, Dwayne Allman was with them for a while. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, well, anyway. anyhow, so yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a really, oh God, it's, it, it is such an exciting, and like Rick, fucking Rick Danko. I know, I know. Uh, but anyway, the, the, um, the Neil Sorry, that's a Rick Danko is, impersonation. <laughs> oh, Black Oak, Arkansas, that's what that's called. it. Uh, Neil Diamond's song is not very good. Yeah. Uh, but he wears a powder blue suit, and I happen to I have remember, a powder blue suit. I feel like I remember him having almost oh, sure. an Elvis suit. It is an Elvis suit, and I ha- I happened just completely by coincidence to have a very, very similar suit. <laughs> and so uh, the first year I showed yeah, – the first year it was in San Francisco. We did it in San Francisco. I think of the Great American Music Hall. And uh, I was in Ireland – and I had like a terrible cold, the worst cold, like COVID level cold. And I was sweating. I, I was I was on tour there. And um and you know, like before the shows, I was lying on the floor of the dressing room just perspiring into a towel and I would oh, get up and John. I would do my like my set and then I would walk back and just lay on the floor until they scraped me up and took me to the hotel. And I and I got on an airplane in that condition and flew from Dublin to San Francisco, just like laying on the back, just like completely. Were you, were you by yourself in Ireland? <clears throat> by, by myself. I was tour. I was opening for Keen, acoustic. Mm-hmm. So that's already a very hard gig, 
right? Because they're like playing these big halls, and you're—I you know, mean, like as good as you are, you're still kind of cannon fodder for the big band, and you're yeah, by yourself out there. You're not going to be able tough. to like rock the house. Well, and also like my my stage banter, like, "Hey, how's it going out there? Are you guys still dumb as you look?" And that's not what, how you get I a love keen audience you on your. I know that, nice, but a keen nice, audience. Nice hat. Is your girlfriend made of farts, Governor? <laughs> they're so they're so sincere because they really love that band, and they're just like here to rock out. And then here's this American guy who's like, hey, you know, hey, I, you know, your mom. Before so, we carved the turkey, your uncle would like to tell you some of his jokes. It was pretty bad, you know, uh, although great of them to ask. But so then I, I landed. I got to San Francisco. They put me up in a really nice hotel. I just lay on the floor sweating. I mean, I'd been doing this for like six days. I couldn't. And then I get up. And I got my blue suit and I go and I do Neil Diamond and uh, and. I think like the the fever broke while I was on stage. It was a wonderful moment. Oh, that's such a good feeling. And I felt like I felt like uh, this was and and you know and it was a group of very accomplished musicians and I felt like kind of just one of the gang. It was so we did it every year, and then Ramey had this wonderful idea. I'm going to start a new concert series called Alone and Together, and it's and he was just going to find like seven great musicians and put them on tour. And he did, he, you know, and I was lucky to be a member of it. And the guy and from, did you mix it up when you play? That's the thing. So it's so like the, game changers, but entertaining. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy from Guster was there and Matthew from, from not a surf and, uh, and, um, and, uh, from fruit bats and so on, you know, like a, a bunch of accomplished people. And we went and we did a, a tour of all the whaling churches in New England. We went to Nantucket. We went to um, Martha's Vineyard. Played played all these churches. <laughs> My friend, that's a license to print money. <laughs> and well, it should have been. You know, like Guster alone. Yeah, because they were for, super popular for a couple of years, right? Well, they still are. They can play for two thousand people everywhere they go. You just, oh, wow. you know, it's one of those bands that you just wouldn't know. It's like, yeah, how how many seats can the old ninety seven sell? Are you serious? Like, right, right, right. but they can, right? Guster's massive, but this tour. Like, hey, all your favorite stars playing in whaling churches. Uh, nobody came. It was like it was like every night there we were playing to thirty people. We didn't even use microphones. We just would sit in the center of the church. Well, it was, was very rustic. It was a wonderful experience. That sounds like it. So then, Ramey. If it's says, people you like, that must have been incredible. It was great. Ramey says, "Here's what I'm going to do next. It's gonna. It's called piano recital, and I'm going to get all these great musicians, and you're going to sit at a piano. The thing is." None of you will be piano players. You're all going to be, I'm going to pick musicians that are like famous for their singing or their drumming or their guitar playing. Right. If you were introducing yourself, although you, you've, I think you could argue, a friend of mine just put, posted a video recently covering Commander Thinks Aloud, my friend um, Krista. And it's like, that's a, it's a pretty straightforward three chord song, but it's, there's a lot of feel. But you wouldn't introduce yourself as, hi, I'm John Roderick and I'm a pian pianist. No, I wouldn't. <clears throat> and I said, what a wonderful idea. And he said, yeah, it's going to be great. And so it was in Los Angeles. It was at a venue down there. And I flew down there. And guess what? I got super sick. John. This is back when I would get sick every six months. When, and just as our listeners know, <clears throat> if you'll forgive me, uh, when John gets sick, John gets sick very oh, hard. So sick. You know, and, and ever since COVID, I haven't gotten sick like that. And it's the, the thing I'm most grateful for. But so I'm down there, I'm in, and he put me up in a really nice hotel, and I'm laying on the floor, and I'm sweating, <laughs> and um, and you know, uh, 
And I've got a friend that came to see me like, you know, oh, hey, I'm going to come to L.A. And, and, and we'll hang out. And I'm just useless, you know, just lying there like sweating and, uh, and miserable. And what I hadn't done was rehearse any songs. Oh, my goodness. Did you have an assigned song? Well, no. I was supposed to play like three or four songs. Oh. And I hadn't rehearsed them. Oh, my and God. Oh, this is, this is like, a, like a nightmare to me. So I'm there, I'm sweating, and it's like, okay, well, sound check is at X. And I I limp down to sound check, and there's seven musicians or whatever. Everybody gets their allotted 10 minutes sitting at the piano, and I sit at the piano all hot and screwed up, and I like plunk my way through some chords, and they're like, okay, great, you know, doors are at eight, and... I go backstage and I'm like, so is there a piano back here that I can monkey around with? No, no piano. I'm like, it's a piano gig and there's this not is, a this is backstage piano? This is almost as bad. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Obviously, the scale is different. But this is almost as bad as the time you had to learn bass in a night. <laughs> yeah. to, to play on, was it Craig Ferguson? Uh, e no, it was, uh, what was it? The Late Show with... Like some, uh, but like you, you had to be on Mr. Handsome. What was his name? He did the he did the Daily Show and then got oh, booted. Craig Kilborn. Craig Kilborn. There you go. And you and you when you were in Harvey Danger in the touring one, like it was that um, it was Aaron sick or something. Yeah, uh, Aaron. Well, Aaron had uh, cystic fibrosis, so he was really sick. Yeah, and you had to like they're like, oh, by the way, John. You're not just going to – I think in some ways it sometimes feels like I, – I don't know who this is more of an insult to, so forgive me in advance. But it's like you and Sean equally can get by on keyboard, but yeah. it's neither of your first gift. No. and But you were already the keyboard guy, and then you had to like figure out how to play a plugged-in bass. You'd never played a plugged-in bass in front of people until you were all being recorded for a television network television show. That's right, national television. You, you put yourself in, in extraordinary circumstances, John. Yes, you know what? It's danger zone. That's not challenge zone. That's all the way to danger zone. Oh, uh, in your model of the yeah. zones. Yeah, yeah. you know, you want to be in challenge zone. You don't want to go too far into danger zone. And that, for I think for a lot of people, like, hey, you're going to be on national television tomorrow playing an instrument you've never played. Good luck. Uh, would be danger zone. And for me, I think, yeah, that's challenge zone. And the, here's, the, here's why. Here's why it's challenge zone. Because they asked me, like, if I screwed up, the screw-up was kind of on them for thinking right. that I could do it. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a high, high, high ceiling, low floor opportunity in some ways, because if you can just get through the song without numerous tremendous clams, I mean, and let's be clear here, like, a guitar is basically a big, neutered, a bass is a big neutered bass guitar in some way. It's the same, the low four strings of a guitar, but playing it, Ugh. I mean, you, I mean, the fact that people like me and Lou Barlow are obviously guitar players who play bass, notwithstanding, it's, you got to press down really hard on those strings. Oh, well, it's a completely different animal. It sits in the song in a completely different place. It does right. a completely different job. It's not, at, the more I have tried to play the bass, it's not the like more playing Farfisa instead of Grand. No, you know. it's got nothing. To, in, in a way, it has nothing to do with guitar. You know, the the notes are in the same place on roughly yeah. the same piece of wood, but it's n it's just like I don't know, like. Bleh. And when I watch that television show, I'm always 
it, it, what's so amazing is that now, more than 20 years later, it's still not embarrassing. I'm still like, wow. yeah, look at that. The only clams I hit are in the vocals. And and I'm just I'm just flying on a pure oxygen at that point. But this thing, this piano thing. So you were going to have to get out there. You're sick. You have yeah, not rehearsed. Super sick. And, and you've got to get out there and not just get through three or four songs, but you have to be John Roderick and like be entertaining and relaxed and all of those things. And Ramey knows a lot of great musicians, and, and I watch the sound check, and I know that the other six performers, although not known as piano players, are all phenomenal piano players Ugh. and singers, and they're just like, that seems like running around. It was pretty hot. Uh, how good everybody was and and i'm backstage like is there a piano and they all have this like oh and they're also 10 years younger than me and beautiful and they're all wearing uh those kind of slouchy uh, off-white cowboy hats um and uh, like jade jewelry and stuff like like southern california chic oh like retired uh, to taos kind of feeling yeah except they're they're all 30 years old and they have like a 29 inch waist that sounds like ira uh, very much. Is Ira, and, um, is Ira sort of an avatar of that? He he would wear that uh, that uh, hipster. I love Ira, but he would yeah. wear that hipster doofus uh, like straw cowboy hat thing. Wasn't that a thing he did? Oh yeah, for sure, for mm-hmm. sure. And Ira actually was was one of the drummers on the first year of this. Okay. Um, but no, I'm talking about the the you know how the kids started wearing really big cowboy hats, like <laughs> super ones that fit over their ears. You know, like. <laughs> Uh, fit, trying to fit, fit over their ears. Yeah, it goes over their ears. It's so big. Is that for when you're when you're out on the plane? I don't know. I never saw a hat that big until until uh, Pharrell wore it. You know, remember oh, when Pharrell yeah. wore that hat and he looked when he like, looked like the Arby's hands? sign for a while. Yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and then all the kids are doing it. And it is some Taos thing. Yeah. But so Eric Johnson, who's the, the phenomenal singer of the Fruit Bats, lives in Los Angeles. And he said, well, I'm on my way over to my house to feed my cat. You can come with me. I've got a piano there. And so sick as a dog, I ride over there. He, there's a piano. He goes and feeds his cat. And again, I sit there at the piano and I'm just like, the, I didn't even know what three songs I was going to play. So I was like, can I play uh. this one? Clonk, clonk, clonk. Long story short, during the concert, even though – they're wonderful performers. Ramey has put me toward the end of the show because he holds me in high esteem. And I and I stumble out there and in front of everybody do the thing where I start a song and I get halfway through and I don't know what the next chord is and I stop. And I turn to the audience and I go, I, I'm really sick and I don't – Ramey said that none of us were supposed to know how to play the piano and I don't. And everybody else apparently does. And, you know, and I pulled it off, right? The audience laughs. Um, it's a show. I'm the, I'm the, uh, I'm the class clown. Right. I managed to limp my way through three songs and there's a certain, there's a certain amount of pathos in them because my songs are sad and I don't know how to play them and I'm sweating and I'm sick. (laughs) And so at the end of, you know, at the end of the show, I hit the big notes on, on commander and you can tell that not only was I the class clown, but I also was just impressive enough that I that I that I earned my spot on the bill. You pulled it out, but I was humiliated oh, by my own lack of project management. And I thought about it last night because the last time Ramey continued to do piano recital, and the last time he did it was. 
at Carnegie Hall with a bunch of musicians that were at Carnegie Hall level of, I've never played the piano before. <laughs> and, and I was not on the bill at Carnegie Hall for, for obvious reasons, but also because that time, which might have, it might have been my audition, I, you know, did not, I stumbled. I get, so I, get, every, I get what you're saying. Like you, you might have, it's one thing to survive and another to thrive. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> there are a lot of those in life where I did the triage on something and said, oh, you're not going to take priority right now. You know, you've got a bullet in the shoulder. <laughs> right. But a lot of times the thing that takes priority, the thing that I'm like, oh, there's a bullet. This one's got a bullet in the lung is actually just sitting and staring out the window. Yeah. And that. It does, that doesn't have a bullet in the lung, but somehow it makes it through triage. And the thing that I say has a bullet in the shoulder, that bullet's going to get infected and kill that patient, sometimes in front of a large audience. And I still, yeah. I still don't know how to do that. It's the triage that I don't, I don't know how to do. Yeah. Not just the work, but the triage. I, no, I, I, I totally understand. And, mm, I don't know. I mean, my, my angle on this is an angle that comes from being a person with ADHD, which means that mm. my body does not create and regulate dopamine well. So I have, uh, uh, over time, I won't drag this out, but like I used to blame that very much on myself. And, and, and obviously, you know, it is me that's the problem. But But I also did eventually realize that for myself, it is a... It's a fine line that enables me to be motivated enough to do a thing that I know I need need to do when my all my chemistry is telling me it's not a big deal. Because mm -hmm. in the absence of that dopamine, in the absence of that adrenaline, it's it's sort of like whatever. Like it'll it'll get done when it gets done. So I mean, I I, I don't know. I've become a little bit more gentle with myself and others. Nobody asked me, but like I be a little more gentle with myself about learning to truly understand what can get things from stasis to motion. And, and for me, it's not always, it's not fear always that does that. Like today, <clears throat> I told you, I, I've got a, I got a thing right after this where I've got to record something. I'm unprepared for this show, less prepared than I normally am. Normally am. Hmm. And I have to go on a podcast with people I really enjoy and talk about a TV show that was on last night that I watched, but I didn't watch as carefully as I normally do. So I'm I'm sitting here with my dick in my hand. Like when I'm done with this, I'm going to have to go watch the last 20 minutes of The Last of Us again. <laughs> Cuz I remember the puns. I remember the siphoning and then Melanie Linsky's there, but like I I have nothing smart to say about it. Well, and this is the episode that everyone in the world is talking about. So that this was is That was last week. Oh, okay. So this is this up this, this one was a little bit this was a little it was a nice, you know, kind of breaking it up a little bit. It's a, it's a very good show. Mm -hmm. I would say if you can only watch one Craig Mason show, I would still recommend Chernobyl, personally. I think it oh. might be one of the greatest things of all time. It's truly a great show. I, it's, I just turn it on sometimes, which is terrible. Oh, wow. No. Oh, I would, it's not like a comfort show. Oh, John, show. I, I was telling Alex about this. Sometimes <sighs> I'll just be like, hmm, I wonder if I'll watch the third episode of Chernobyl tonight. It's like, dude, you shouldn't do that. That's the one where you can see through the guy's skin. Don't do that. 
<laughs> but it's what so, a very strange show to be so like. Well done. This is this is my comfort show. I'm just going to turn See, it's this like on. Watching the Godfather, just... almost. You know, it's just everything's <sighs> anyhow. So I, I I I'm with you. I think it's I think it's everybody's got to find the thing that gets them motivated. And for some people to to give a name to that thing, I just kind of described the mean dad voice, the yeah. thing that that tells you you're such a piece of shit. And if that motivates you and it produces results you like, that's good. But you can't always count on it. And I've discovered quite the opposite. Sometimes I need to go the other way. I need to just calm the fuck down and get into whatever this thing is right now, Yeah, which is hard with my brain. A person with anxiety and ADHD is forever running from the past and running toward the future. And it's difficult to like just sit the fuck down and go, I'm just going to have fun with my three friends and talk about an HBO show without... You know, declaiming all of my like, you know, oh, I, I didn't really get to watch it very well, blah, 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 and all that. Right, like, right, right. Kind of I'm thing. a piece of shit. Don't hate me. Oh yeah, well, you know, actually, my performance, just much like tenth grade, is pretty good considering I only did it the morning before. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But well, I yeah. for for my part, I love that you're being gentle with yourself, and I and I love that you're being gentle with me. Uh, because somebody needs I, to be. Well, yeah, I could use a little. You know, I could try a little tenderness, and I could use a little gentleness. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I'm trying to learn to do that too. Uh, what just exactly what you described? But I'm still not. That's, I still, not, that's not in your nature, John. No, no. Uh, it's it's I almost str- it's almost literally antithetical to at least my understanding of your internal monologue i don't know but the voice in your head is is very much not the kind of person who goes well maybe you'll do a better job if you just calm the fuck down no 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 that's not a and 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 lately you know i've been i i it's not like i've been struggling with anxiety like i did back in the aloha days um but i have been really struggling Mm. um um with a lot on your plate right now yeah, with feelings of well-being, and I should say, just for those following along at home who are playing Roderick on the line bingo or whatever, that I <laughs> Roderick act, Wang, that I <laughs> that's Roderick Wang, <laughs> uh, twenty-four, uh, sixteen. That's Roderick Wang. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Simon from Somerset. <laughs> um, yes. I have. I think. Come to a resolution with my neighbors, mm-hmm. uh, who I've been in a protracted dispute with for for exactly a year. The dispute started on February tenth of last year. For an entire year, I have been. Right, you've been dealing. I've been in a state where multiple times a day, I had to. That voice inside my head was saying, "It's a catastrophe. You're going to lose your home, and you've made." Poor choices your whole life, and nobody loves you. If it, yeah, I mean, and that, one of those voices we might share a voice on this is that, like, well, you know, you knew, you you know what a fuck up you are, and you knew you it would it would eventually be your undoing. The phrase I use, you knew, you know, your undoing was coming. It's just now, you know, you deserved it, and now here it finally is. Yeah, exactly. Dig That's in. exactly the voice. And you know, to to imagine, if you can imagine at home, listener, a thing that would have made me long for a time when my biggest problem was being dad where I was like, God, do you remember a year ago when all you had to think about was everybody in the world hated you? Mm-hmm. Now, as of a couple of days ago, hmm. um, there was, there were lawyers who were here, lawyer, multiple lawyers here at the, at the, the house on site, tr- 
tromping through the woods in their <sighs> muddy boots. Oh, my goodness. All of them complaining that they had worn the wrong North Face jacket because they were freezing cold. Mm-hmm. And me standing there in a Filson ba- uh, hat saying, you've, you've made the, the wrong choice of layers, I'm afraid, lawyers. Ha, 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 everybody laughs, and then everybody's serious again. Mm-hmm. And in all of it, and there's, there are multiple colors of tape running through the forest, pink tape and white tape that and blue really tape. sounds It was terrible, and it's terrible for the forest. And the owls and the coyotes, they're like, are you kidding us right now? And I'm like, look, man. Yeah, as one, they're like, really? But and and as the as the listeners to this program who are also lawyers have written me on the side and said don't talk about it on the program, um, and so I won't. And my own lawyers have said you're not going to talk about it ever again. You're going to be quiet and you're just going to be quiet. And I'm like it's really hard for me to be quiet. And they're like is that being quiet? And I'm like no, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm so I'm, I'm so. <laughs> Counselor, could it be argued that I'm being somehow the opposite of quiet? <laughs> Am I, am, is this talking too much? And they're like, yes. <laughs> All talking Any is too much. Any amount of talking is too much. But it, was, it, it has been resolved to, not completely, but to the level where now things, people are bound Do you have an, by. Uh, can I use a phrase I know from television? Have you reached an agreement in principle? We have written, reached an agreement where pieces of paper have been <gasps> signed that are oh, legally binding. Oh, wow. The principle is your power. There was no principle. Uh, well, it's, I've already said too much. Yes, no, I agree. Is, are you but, cool with wait, 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 uh, marker marker? Uh, are you cool with what we have here? Oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right, cool. All right. I mean, I can only you know I am as God made me, sir. And, and I <laughs> this I, twisted I, old fruit. <laughs> I also said that to my lawyers. Like I say I it all as, the time, John. I am as God made me, sir. And they're they're both you know in their thirties, and they're like, I what a, I don't know that reference. And I'm like, it's all right, it's okay. But, I went to school but, in Boston. <laughs> I went to school in Connecticut. It's not a big college town. No, not a big. <laughs> wow. Now that's a nice pull. Thank you. Uh huh. But so so <laughs> remember, when, remember when they all have the cold sore. Of course. <laughs> Bobby Fleckman. <laughs> I've had that experience. Oh, my God. She's so cute. Oh, my God. Fran Drescher is so cute in that. And Dana Carvey is a mime. Did you know that Dana Carvey and Billy Crystal are mimes in that? I was. Yes, I did. And I, mime was, is trying money. To, I was trying to explain to my daughter last night because my daughter said she said uh, she said the following thing. She said, I love jokes, but when people make jokes, although I think they're funny, I don't laugh. And I said, that's very common. And she said, but I love it when people do impressions. Oh. And it's true. She loves impressions. Does she, w- does she need to know who the people are that are being impersonated? No. She just likes it when well, people you do gotta funny voices. Well, you've got to go watch those, those, those YouTube compilations of the trip of Rob Bryden and uh, Steve Coogan. Yes. That's one of her mother's favorite shows. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. But what I was saying to her was when I was a kid – People that did impressions were actually huge stars. They were gods. Rich yeah. Little was huge. John and Biner. John Biner, the guy who was, uh, what was John Biner? Was he uh, Frank Gorshin? Also the Riddler. He was a big impressionist. Right. He did impressions. And Dana Carvey, of course, really great at impressions. And, I, and she, I, she was having a hard time understanding, first of all, what is a talk show? But, <laughs> but I was. That's the kind of thing daddy plays bass on. I was trying Mama to explain, trouble. like. There were a lot of famous people that everybody knew that were in their 80s in the 70s, and they were still kind of all you saw when you turned on the television. Like You would see Jimmy Stewart or an impression of Jimmy Stewart. (laughs) Yeah, and then these guys who were half their age were doing impressions of them, and they were still in their 40s. Yeah. Um, 
And so I've, I was thinking about Dana Carvey and thinking about showing her like a sizzle reel of Dana Carvey doing, yeah, exactly. Jimmy Stewart and, and, uh, and like, I don't know, Harold Lloyd. There's a lot. I mean, there's always like the classics, like, you know, Cary Grant or, uh, you know, or like, like, uh, I was in a talent show when I was eight and uh, I, my mom thought it'd be funny if I impersonated Jimmy Durante. So I did. Oh, sure. Everybody loves Jimmy Durante. Huge. Oh. Huge. You know, huge you know what inspired it? We were watching, we went to the movies yesterday. And apparently, I don't know if this is true for your child, but all the kids today love the movie Clue. Oh, we watch Clue every single Christmas morning. Really? It's beloved. And it features the, the great Spinal Tap actor, uh, Michael McKeon. Whom Marlo uh, agreed was the handsomest. I think I know where you're going with this because we watched Better Call Saul and there's a certain movie I keep threatening to show my kid, but I realize there's no way to explain Spinal Tap to a 15-year-old kid that isn't really stupid and not – how do you give people context for what people thought of heavy metal in the early 80s? It's so so awful to know that – you know, you can't all those, appreciate how perfect that movie was. All the years that I've been saying, I'm going to, one day I'll have a child and I'm going to show them on their 16th birthday, I'm going to show them, you know, uh, all the, the John Hughes movies of the 80s and realize <laughs> Automobile. Like, <laughs> they're not going to care. No. But then Spinal Tap, they would, it, it might as well be in Latin. Yeah. No, but what I, what, what happened? It, it might as well be like a Regency drama. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. what? A, what? But but this movie theater, the Central Cinema in Seattle, is one of those where you go and 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 they serve pizza and beer. Oh, did you see Clue there? So we went to see Clue there. And I it was have a, I have a crush. Oh, oh, Merlin, you've been people. there. Have I? You've been there because when you look nice today, did their their one tour? Yeah, with, with Jesse, Jesse Thorne. And, yeah, yeah, the Monsters you of guys, Podcasting. You guys played. At uh, at the Central Cinema. Is, is that when Adam brought out the chicken and acted like it was a baby? Adam brought the chicken and acted like it was a baby. I played the banjo. I don't even remember what. I, I, I think you play. Yeah, you 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 might have played the little "You Look Nice Today" song, but you you opened. You came out and like stood in front of the stage and. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. I don't even know where I got a banjo. Oh, that place did that have have like a crazy high ceiling? It did have a crazy high ceiling. Yeah, I remember that. Wait, so you went and saw Clue there? How about that maid, huh? Oh, the maid. She's extraordinary. But, of course, I'm always waiting for the Jane Weedland scene. I mean, oh, you, so only brief. Get, you only get 20 seconds of her, but it's, it's 20 of the great seconds. Oh, she's sublime. And you get you get, uh, you get Leslie Ann Warren. You get yeah. Madeline Kahn. Uh, you get so Lee, my, Lee Ving of the band, uh, uh, what was his band? Uh, War? War. War? Right? No. No, War is what is this good for. He was yeah, in... Um, he was in something He was else. in that band. That, they had that song, New York's All Right If You Like Saxophones. What's the name of the band? Uh, the War? The, the, uh, uh, the New York Dolls? God damn it. Lee Continue. You went to say, I'm going to yell it out in a minute. Don't worry. Um, so, so uh, no, but she said that Leslie Ann Warren was the character that she identified the most with, and I was like, okay. All right. Fear. But no. Oh, he was in Fear. Oh. Duh. Yeah, they were on no. SNL once. That didn't go great. Uh, but but before the show, they were watching Looney Tunes. At, <laughs> they were they were playing Looney Tunes at the cinema, and all these kids are watching Looney Tunes. Oh, oh, I get it. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, and they were not. None of them. And this is a which is how it all started, right? Those used to be shorts before shorts Warner before, Brothers movies. But the kids had never seen Looney Tunes. At one point, right. Uh, 
Sylvester comes on and and my kid turns around and looks at me and goes, "What's this cat's name?" And I'm like, oh, "Oh, that's Sylvester. He's a he's not a cat. He's a putty tat." And then Tweety shows up and she's like, "That's Tweety Bird." Like she knew who Tweety was, but she couldn't remember Sylvester. And I'm and I'm sitting with some Gen X dads and we're all like, kind of crying in our diet cokes because. By the time we were three years old, we knew every Warner Brothers cartoon backwards and forwards. Oh, but then- John, John, last week I spent I, – well, what I spent was – what I spent was years trying to find the Warner Brothers cartoon that has a line in it that I say twice a week. And I could never find it. And I finally found it like a week or so ago. And if do you remember the one where it's, it's like two mice and it's like um, – it's like uh, – oh, shit. What are the, what are the guys on the Honeymooners? Um uh, Art Carney and uh, and Jackie Gleason. Yeah, Remember? yeah, 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 yeah. There's supposed to be Ralph and yeah. Anyway, yeah. And 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 there's the cat and they're pursuing the cat and it ends with the Art Carney character opens the door and he goes to look and see what happened after the dynamite exploded <laughs> and he goes no casualties and then they show the cat <laughs> hanging from like the overhead kitchen light and he goes ha, no casualties he says. I've had that line in my head for over for 50 years. It was so satisfying to find it. But I'm guessing I don't want to steal your bit, but like Spinal Tap, it's really difficult to go like, yeah, this is the basis for a ton of stuff today that you would never expect. If like I tried when, to, when to you dig hear like out- a comedy of like when you hear when you're watching Home Alone, and I mean they're pretty like pretty. Uh, I don't know. Home Alone's comedy, they don't they don't lean on the sound gags a lot. But the whole stuff with the wet bandits is very Warner Brothers. Right. I, as I was saying, if I had to dig out every Warner Brothers quote from my a lot of them from your pantheon. They're so assimilated that I would have a hard time going all the way back to like, wait a minute, is that from the Barber of Seville? <laughs> Uh, right. Bucks Bunny, like I, 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 it's so deep in me. But, but so these these girls are all sitting and watching, and the entire uh, Sylvester and put uh, and Tweety Bird show relies on a knowledge of a uh, of a Hitchcock impression, like the narrator. Oh, the narrator like, of like the episode. He comes out and he says, "Good evening." Yeah, and throughout the episode. There's this Mel <laughs> Blanc impression <laughs> so funny. of Alfred Hitchcock throughout the show, and all the jokes are like punctuated by Hitchcock, and and so the the kids are already trying to understand how a mouse <laughs> how happening? can a mouse hit a cat with a mallet? I mean, that, but you know they've seen <laughs> they, uh, they stole all this from Itchy and Scratchy. Yeah, they've seen Itchy and Scratchy, right? Yeah. So they there's some concept of it. But then the Hitchcock thing, and I'm just like, oh, so where do I start with Hitchcock? Like, oh, I, I didn't even know what those were about in 1972. But you knew about, and the same way that you would know about, like, if I say to you, Ancient Chinese Secret, you just know that because of exposure to that goddamn Calgon commercial over and over and over. Right. But like, you, you can't. Ancient keep, Chinese Secret. Huh? Can, here's his Ancient Chinese Secret Calgon. <laughs> Mr. Lee, how do you get your shirt so white? <laughs> I'm the sole survivor. <laughs> latchkey child, latchkey child. He's seen all the commercials so many times. Oh, the song! I feel the like songs. chicken tonight. But uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's but, a San Francisco treat. <laughs> then I tell you, I went back and I found the. We I mentioned in passing. I think I think I ended up using this for. 
think it was here. But was it here that I mentioned the TV show Phyllis? And in sure. kind of like as a reference to San Francisco. And my first, apart from Rice my first concept about San Francisco was from the opening of Phyllis. I went and I looked it up and I found the credits from the fir- opening credits in the first season. I'm not going to suggest you go look at it, but it does open with what appears to be a chorus line of men in blackface. Hmm. Which I don't remember. I do remember the Fisherman's Wharf sign. Uh, but that, but then it uh, that didn't extend to the second season? Did they? I, don't, uh, I did not. The, my scholarship on this is a little bit thin. I'm sorry. I took you way off your topic. So no, you're no, in no. a theater filled like you and you've got Roland Barth swimming around in your head. There's all kinds of crazy semiotics and connections going on. Wait and a minute. Did Colleen you, Camp was in Apocalypse Now? She played Yvette the Maid in the movie Clue. Oh, you know what I'm looking at right this second. I'm looking at what's going to be our show art, which is Leslie Ann Warren, Colleen. What's her name? Colleen? Camp. Colleen Camp. Camp. Oh, was she one of the Playboy bunnies? Oh, must have been. Must have been. She was in Police Academy. Great, great film. Great series of films. Uh, she must have been one of the bunnies. Um, yeah. There, there are no other women in Apocalypse now. I'm trying to think. There's, yeah, not a, not a ton. Um, uh, oh, yeah, there's the, there's, the, there's the woman that they blow up from the helicopter. Oh, right, 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 right. Lady That's in the right. hat. Yeah, there, She's a lady there, in the hat who dies. Was there the are a few character. ladies in hats. But no, she was. She was one of the uh, bunnies and then went on, according to Wikipedia, to be an uh, actual uh, Playboy centerfold in the October 1979 issue, for those of you who have a complete collection of 70s Playboys. Do you have that in Braille? I do. I do not. That have you know the, of, yeah. I have the. I have some '90s Playboy. So you got to see Warner Brothers cartoons on a big screen. Yeah, and in fact, one of the Gen X dads leaned over to me and said, "Why did they? Why did they just use Mel Blanc for everything? Why didn't they get another voice actor?" Right. And I said, "Because how do you improve on perfection?" Uh, and he said, "No, but I mean, wouldn't you want a little variety?" And I was like, "Mel Blanc has all the variety you need." He, he's I, got a really funny appearance. I, actually, I will just, I don't need this for our listeners, but I'll find it for you. Mel Blanc was on uh, Letterman in probably the mid 80s. And it's, you know, he's such an entertaining guy. And he knew, you know, gosh, for some reason now I'm thinking of Adam Scott in uh, Party Down. You know, are we having fun yet? Like he mm-hmm. knew what people wanted to hear. They wanted to see this man, this little man, balding man with a mustache, come out and do the voice of. Uh, let's 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 be conservative. I could I could probably right now name a dozen characters with different voices that he did, and just to see them all coming out of his mouth is so entertaining. And it, I get giddy when I watch it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, why not? But like, he was the guy. Do you think it was for money? Well, and I, that, I eventually this dad wouldn't let up. He was like, "Yeah, but," and I'm like, "It's Mel Blanc or Blanc. You don't. It's like Moog or Moog." You don't argue with the with the master, and the dad wouldn't let up. And finally, I was like, "Well, I'm sure that they paid him." So you blew him up with dynamite. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> what a revolting development! <laughs> I, I'm sure that they didn't pay him like uh, the additional car. It's fee Warner Brothers. It was the like, it was, he was on staff probably. He probably yeah, exactly. got he probably got you know a dollar fifty an hour. The canteen would have to make five different uh, uh, you know uh, chipped chicken on toasts. If you had five actors, and they only had to make one chipped chicken on toast, if it's, oh, if it's Mel Blanc. Knock on blank. effects of scale. Yeah. Blanc, blank. Yeah. 
I think you're thinking of Benoit Blanc. You might be thinking of Yip, 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 Yip. You might be thinking of Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc? Benoit Blanc, Mel Blanc. I think, is it Mel Blanc? Because it's, doesn't, I'm not going to correct you. I don't know. I don't have a dog in this fight, but. Yeah, no. I mean, I I was watching a Getty Lee thing that that somebody sent me this morning. They were like, look at this thing from Getty Lee. And I said, you are my fact-checking friend. But, Aw. But <laughs> You're my fact-checking cuz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about the voice of Getty Lee? <laughs> but Getty Lee is apparently doing a raffle oh. of, a, of a Moog Moog synthesizer. Oh, like the subdivisions? <laughs> so, no, it's like a, probably an Oberheim, but really and, interesting. Yeah. And he, I think, in this video... First pronounces it Moog, and then late he he calls the keyboard a Moog, and then when he's talking about Robert Bob Moog, Moog he calls yeah. him Bob Moog. Celebrities, they're just like us. But I thought that was very clever to say the keyboard's a Moog because that's what everybody calls it. But he's Bob Moog. Uh huh. Like, oh, well done, Getty. You kind of yeah. like you covered both both sides. You're right, and you're wrong. Yeah, he's no, he's no, he's no dummy. He's no, no he's slouch. Not he's not a slou- dummy or a slouch. Not a dummy or a slouch or a douch or a slummy. <clears throat> and so your your youngster, yeah, your progeny has enjoyed Clue before, correct? Yes, and I don't get it. I don't get why the kids. She oh, has right. no. She has no interest in me showing her movies from my childhood. <laughs> She's not interested in 80s movies. She did not at yeah. all enjoy. I just love Clue for years. It's the wildest yeah. thing. Why? Where did it come from? Why I do they love it know. so much? No, there's so many good movies. My kid, my kid will still not sit down and watch Alien like a gentleman. Wow. But But, oh, I've seen it already. No, you're on TikTok and you think you've seen everything. Shut up. Yeah. But, um, but okay, and was it, oh, seeing it on a big screen, though, that must have been kind of fun. It was, it's very fun. Although, you know, I'm sitting there like. <clears throat> I bet you're envious of that house is what you were. Well, the house with the secret passageways I like, but really I'm just doing the thing where I'm like, wow, these chicks are hot and uh, yeah. there's a lot of innuendo in this movie and that's fun. Mm-hmm. I like a little I'm Going innuendo. home to my wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, and there's Howard Hessman at the end and uh, uh, none of the Gen X dads recognized Howard Hessman who only ever looked what? like Howard Hessman. And I'm like, so, so my kid says, who was the, who was the, was that J. Edgar Hoover at the end? And I was like, no, oh, no, it wasn't. It that's was Dr. Just, Johnny Fever, who's also yeah. the manager of the other band in Spinal Tap. That's what I said. I said, it's Dr. Johnny Fever. And the Gen X dads were like, what? That was Howard Hessman? Like, they know who he is. And I'm like, where were you? What where were you? happened to education in this country, John? Exactly. And these are people I don't know who age. they are anymore. They don't know our history, Merlin. No. Our history. Well, you know those who uh, those who don't remember WKRP are forced to repeat it. <laughs> Is that Arnold Toynbee who said that? I forget. Oh, that's great. <laughs>